In case you guys can't tell, I'm super excited to be here this morning. You know, God said, live. Anyway, um, I, I'm really, really excited about the new sermon series that we're starting today. It's called A Hill to Die On. And uh, the reason I'm so excited about it is because we get to communicate the foundational truths of what Christianity is. You know, there's certain things as being a Christian that, that we'll never agree on, and that's okay. Your beliefs and your theologies don't have to be exactly like mine in order for us both to be brothers and sisters in Christ. You know, there's things that we can disagree on. You know, we're never going to agree about the spiritual gifts and how they're used. We're never all going to agree about baptisms and, and how music is supposed to be played and all those things. We're never going to agree on what translation of the Bibles, but all those things, man, and we can agree to disagree on a lot of those things, but there's certain things that you cannot give an inch on. There's certain things that you have to believe in order to call yourself a Christian. There's certain things that if you don't believe that, that you might say you're a Christian, but really you're not. And, and I, those are the things that we want to talk about over the next four weeks in this sermon series that we have that's leading up to Easter Resurrection Sunday. And the first one we're going to talk about today, one of my absolute favorites, and it's this, that God created the universe and everything in it. If you don't believe that, then you're not really a Christian. And, and those, yeah, I mean, you're just not like that. You're starting off on the wrong foot, right? You're going the wrong way right from the beginning. And so that's one of these foundational truths. Uh, next week, we're going to talk about the fact that God became man, right? We're talking about the incarnation next week. If you don't believe that, then you're not really a Christian. In the third week, we're going to talk about how Jesus Christ died on the cross to pay the price for our sins and rose again on the third day. If you don't believe that, guess what? You're not a Christian. And then the fourth one may be a little bit more controversial for some people. On the fourth week, we're going to talk about the fact that Jesus is coming back again. <laughs> one of those things that you just have to believe. But man, I'm so excited to begin this sermon series here today. Um, I used to have a, a buddy at work. I mean, I guess I could call him a buddy. We were kind of like acquaintances, but a little bit more than that. You have people like that in your life that you work with or you, you know, are acquainted with. And you're like, yeah, I know that guy. And maybe they're not exactly a friend, but, but you like them well enough. And so there's this guy, and we were, we were kind of buddies there at work. And um, there was a time where we had to share an office for a while. And uh, I don't know if you guys know what that's like when you were used to having your own workspace, and then all of a sudden you have to share your workspace with some other person. It's, it's not that cool. Uh, but you get to know each other really well, really fast. And uh, so I had this buddy at work, but there's something you need to know about my friend at work, man. He was a hardcore atheist. But I don't mean like a combative atheist, like he wasn't like, God's terrible, it doesn't exist, all that kind of stuff. He was more like a smug atheist, right? So he was a smug atheist that when we'd be like, hey, so we need to pray about this, and he'd be like, and we'd be like, oh man, praise God that this thing or that thing happened or whatever, and he'd be like, <laughs> And just always had that kind of attitude, and, and so we would tease him about it some. But anyway, one day, we were sharing this office, and I was in there ministering to somebody and, and talking to them on the phone that actually happens to be in the room right now. And so I was talking to this person on the phone, and, and then I got to, the chance to pray with them on the phone. And uh, I was praying with them, and then uh, uh, after I said amen and hung up the phone, he was just looking at me like this. And I was like, what? And he said, why do you believe in God so much? And I was like, hold on, thank you, God. You're so awesome. Look what you did. And then I was like, dude, why do I believe in God so much? I was like, man, everywhere that I look, I see God. 
Man, I see God when the sun comes up and shed light across the world and erases the darkness. I see God when the sun sits and he paints the sky in all those beautiful colors. Man, I see God when it rains. I see God when the sun dries up the rain, man. I see God when the wind blows and when it doesn't. I see God when the ocean rage and when they stay calm, man. I see God in my wife's beautiful smile. I see God in the, in the birth of my child when they laid him in my arms, man. I see God in the redemption that he laid in my life. I see God in that phone call I just received and that prayer that I just prayed and the fact that you just looked at me and asked me why I believe in God. And he was like, dude, calm down. And I was like up on the desk like this, you know. And he was like, dude. And I was like, my bad. Y'all know, y'all, y'all know how I get, right? Y'all know how I get. And I was all excited. I was like, my bad, dude, my bad. I was like, let me ask you a question. And he was like, okay. I said, why do you not believe in God? And he said, man, he said, if I'm going to dedicate my life to something, he said, I need to see some proof. And I was like, some proof? Yeah, some proof. I was like, you mean like some evidence? And he was like, yeah, I'd like to see some evidence. And I was like, cool, because I just happened to have some of that. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? (laughs) If you have your Bible, I want you to turn... Now, see, this is cool because this is moment we get to have a moment of unity together, right? Because like I said, I know some of us do different translations. And I know that, like I know Mike Beckley's a hardcore 1611 King James Bible guy, right? And I know, I know, I know Nikki Bishop is a hardcore passion translation girl. <laughs> and, and, and I know that we've got different ones that we like to use and some people got a, a, a study Bible that they use my favorite is my Spurgeon Christian Standard Study Bible that's my favorite I know we've all got different ones but for today it's all the same I mean the wording may be a little bit different but this is the cool part so I want you to open up your Bible and turn to page one page one Genesis chapter one Verse 1 on page 1. This is how it all begins. And the Bible says this. In the beginning, God... Man, I could just stop right there and that would be enough. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface of the watery depths. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. And then God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from the darkness. Can you say amen? God, we just pray you'll open this word up to us today. And Lord, I pray that we would all come to the real realization that you created the universe and everything. Somebody say everything. And everything in it, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Man, let's give God praise at the Way Church this morning. And you may be seated in his presence. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. A long time ago, this philosopher named John Paul Sartre stated the essential problem of existence. There's something instead of nothing, but why? And it's from that question that everything else that we think about, everything else that we do in our lives flows. 
I mean, we look around and we see all these things, but why? I mean, we experience all these different sensations and all this stuff that goes on in our life, but why? I mean, why is there existence? Why is there any of us? Why is there something? And the, the answer is just right there in the Bible. And they, God makes it so incredibly easy for us. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It, let, let me state this. If you believe Genesis 1-1, then you should have no problem believing what the rest of the Bible says. I, I had a conversation with a guy actually earlier this week. And, you know, he said, you know, Pastor, I, I like what you're saying about Jesus. And I love your testimony, your life story, and what God has done in your life. He said, and I believe that maybe it's true. He said, but what am I supposed to do with this stuff in the Bible that I just get to and it's so crazy and outlandish that I just can't believe it? He's like, how am I supposed to believe that Moses parted the Red Sea? And I was like, buddy, Moses didn't part the Red Sea. And he's like, what do you mean? It says Moses parted the Red Sea. I said, no, it doesn't. It said Moses held up a stick and God parted the Red Sea. And if you believe that Genesis 1-1 says that God created the Red Sea, then why would he not be able to part it? He said, how am I supposed to lead some teenagers through a rock and kill a giant? And I said, first of all, David did not kill Goliath. That's supposed to be a trick question in Christianity, who killed Goliath? David didn't kill Goliath. The rock didn't kill Goliath. God killed Goliath. And if God created David and God created Goliath and God created that rock, man, why would you not believe that God could do that just like he did everything else? And he was like, okay, man, but am I supposed to believe that this Jewish carpenter? And I was like, oh, man, here we go. Here we go. Am I supposed to believe this Jewish carpenter carried all of our sins up a hill and died there and then was buried in a tomb and three days later came back to life? How am I supposed to believe that? And I was like, yeah, you're supposed to believe that. He was like, well, I mean, how? And I was like, well, because that Jewish carpenter built life and he built death and he can tear them down and build them back if he wants to because he is God. He's the author and he's the finisher of our faith. And the thing is, if you believe what Genesis 1, 1 says, you should have no problem believing anything else that is in the Bible. If you believe that God spoke existence into being, if you believe that God said be and everything was, everything else is child's play. Everything else falls right into place. But you know, a lot of people don't believe that. And you know, even like... In science and philosophy and religion, all the way back to the beginning of time, people don't believe that. See, we believe that there was nothing, and then because of God, all of a sudden, there was everything, right? I mean, it's that simple, right? There was nothing, and then because of God, all of a sudden, there was everything. And, and a lot of people don't believe that. You know, as a matter of fact, up until about 100 years ago, I'm talking about throughout all of history, up until about 100 years ago, all of science and most of religion and all of philosophy, philosophy believed that the universe had always existed. Like, they believed that in a steady-state universe, that the universe never changed, that the universe was eternal back and would be eternal forward, that the universe was completely infinite, and, 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 and that everything in it just kind of existed within this infinite framework of the universe. They believed it had no beginning, and it had no end. I mean, science taught that in the textbooks that, you know, a lot of our predecessors would have learned from. They believed that it, this steady-state universe, and philosophers talked about the infinite, you know, existence of the universe, how it had no beginning, and it had no end. Even a lot of the other religions and their creation stories, they'll say that their god or gods took what was and made what is. They took what was and they molded it and they shaped it into what is, and you'll see that throughout all kinds of other religions. Ours is one of the only ones, the only one that I've studied recently, that says, no, 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 no. 
there was nothing. And we can't even understand nothing, right? We would say that there's nothing in between my hands, right? There's nothing in between my hands. There's all kinds of stuff in between my hands. There's all kinds of different, you know, particles of gases in between my hands right now. There's all kinds of different waves. There's photons of light. There's all kinds of existence in between my hands right now. And some of us would say, well, there's nothing in the vacuum of space. That's not true either. There's all kinds of particles out there floating around. There's energy waves flowing all the way through it. There's all kinds of stuff out there floating around. No, 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 no. There was nothing. I mean, nothing to make anything out of. Nothing existed. But then God made it all out of nothing. And we didn't believe that until about 1917 when Albert Einstein published the theory of relativity. And the theory of relativity stated that no, the universe is not constant. The universe is, is, is not steady. The universe is constantly changing. The universe is constantly changing. And when he, when he published the theory of relativity and, and, and showed us that the universe was constantly changing, one of the sub-theories of that said that, well, maybe it started somewhere. And then in about 1925, Edwin Hubble, the guy they named the big telescope that floats around the sky after, like in 1925, he theorized and, 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 and basically proved that everything in the universe is actually moving away from each other. That the universe is constantly expanding that the universe is constantly expanding and 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 when you watch it you can watch these things like hurtle away from each other actually at incredible speeds the universe is growing bigger and bigger all the time and then from that he also theorized that if you were to put that in reverse you know back in the day when we wanted to watch an earlier part of the movie what did we have to do to it yeah a lot of the kids don't understand that today do they be kind rewind <laughs> Remember you take your tape back unrewound, they charge you like two dollars extra or something like that? Yeah. I go down to video corner there on the corner and my you know videotape wasn't rewound, they'd be like, oh, you owe us a dollar. Okay. But if you rewind existence, that you would actually see everything in the universe start to come back together. And if you look back over all the, the years and all the millennia that, that the universe has existed, you, you see that rewound and you see everything start to come together and everything start to come together and come together and come together. Actually, they reduced it down to the fact that there would come a time when the distance between everything in the universe would be zero. And so if the distance between all things is zero, guess what you have? Nothing. Nothing. Mathematically, you have nothing the distance between all these points is zero there is nothing nothing exists you rewind it all back from where it's at back now back to this this finite point in history and and, and it sits there and it's nothing and nothing exists and there's nothing and there's nowhere and, and 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 there's no when there's nothing that exists it doesn't exist there's nothing in the universe there is no universe there's nothing and then then in 1965 they did another experiment where they found this. I'm, I'm telling you all this for a reason. Stay with me. They did another experiment in 1965 that found this background noise going throughout the entire universe. And, and it's this background radiation that's everywhere. And they did all these experiments on it. And they did these different light transferences and all these things. And they tried to track it down and figure out what is this noise? What's this static that is in the background of all of existence? And then they figured out what it was. They figured out that this static, this, this radiation that's in the background is the residue the residue of an incredibly powerful explosion of light. So they, they figured out that the universe is steadily changing. 
They figured out that, it, that if you reverse it all back, you can draw it back down to this one single point where, where everything came from. And then they proved that everything started at some point back in the finite past with an incredibly powerful explosion of light that we can still see and trace and track down today. And the reason that I'm telling you all of this is so that I can just say for thousands and thousands and thousands of years, man-made science... Man-made philosophy, man-made religion had it all wrong, but the Word of God had it all right. Can you say amen? Yeah, give God praise for that because it's the truth. It was right. Man was wrong, and God was right. For thousands of years, our scientific, you know, different proficiencies led us down the wrong path, and the Word of God was telling us what happened the entire time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. God said, let there be light, and there was. And because of him, everything that is came from nothing. But how do we know that it was God that did this? I mean, how do we know that it was God? How do we, we know that it wasn't just random chance that caused all these things? I mean, how do we know that the earth was formless and empty and darkness covered the surface and the Spirit of God was hovering and then he said, let there be light and separate it from the darkness? How do we know that? I mean, couldn't this just happen from random chance? I mean, what they say is that the, the numbers are so huge, the probabilities are so staggering that, that if you do the, the math, that you could come up with the fact that all this could come from just the, the, the huge numbers and the huge possibilities from all the probabilities that are out there. I mean, couldn't this just be the result of random chance? And so I think the easiest way for me to show you guys probability, to show you random chance, is just like this, right? Tails. Whoosh. Tails. Tails again. We're on, a, we're on to something here. <laughs> Tails again. Wow. Hey, the probability against that is staggering, isn't it? I mean, it is. Staggering. There we go, heads. So I got like five tails in a row and finally heads. And that's random chance, right? I mean, that's probability. And, 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 and some people say that that's how the universe got created, by random chance. By ones and zeros and ones and zeros. And which one did you get, a one or a zero, a heads or a tails? And probability is a cool way to report things, but it can't determine an outcome. You see, all probability is, is a report on an outcome. But see, you never get to an outcome if you don't have a cause. Who caused there to be all those heads and tails? Who did? Was it random chance? No, I did. Because I flipped the coin. If I'd never flipped the coin, then we wouldn't have been able to record the results. If I hadn't have flipped the coin, wouldn't, wouldn't be, we wouldn't have been able to study the outcome. If I hadn't have flipped the coin, then there would have been no chance to have happened. So my point by telling you that is this. Yeah, there's a lot of ways that you can use probability to study the things that are going on in the universe. But somebody had to flip the coin. Somebody had to flip the coin. Because if the coin had never gotten flipped, then none of these things would have ever happened. So we know this, the universe had a beginning because science and the universe has an outcome. We know because science, let me prove to you using these things 
that God is the uncaused cause of the universe. Somebody had to be the cause of the effect that you see all around you. This is called the Kalam cosmological argument for the existence of God. And I know that's a lot of words, but it really is a simple concept. And, and, and I want for everybody that, that is a Christian to be able to understand this. So it just goes like this. Whatever begins to exist has a cause of its beginning. Does that make sense? I mean, whatever begins to exist has a cause. Things, things don't just come from nowhere. You know, uh, a bunch of guys, men of God from the church came and built this whole stage with this awesome reclaimed lumber, lumber man. J.R. Beckley led that group, man, and they did it. It didn't just fall here randomly. It didn't just like pop in here out of nothing. It it it. it was put here because they wanted it to be put here. This is an effect that had a, I mean, this is yeah, an effect that had a cause that, that preceded it. You know, I've got two beautiful boys at home, but the reason they exist is because for some reason, Angela Greider decided that she was in love with me. Bless her heart. Ah, uh, yeah. Bless her big, Lord. Bless her big. She needs it. Trust me, she needs it. Lord Jesus, she needs it. There was a cause to the effects that we see around us. Things don't just come from nowhere. And, and, and get this, we've already, verse, I mean, uh, proposition two is this, that the universe began to exist. And we've proved that with science, right? I told you, like it goes all the way back to a certain point. Like we see the residual radiation of an explosion of light that happened. Like, like the universe goes back to a, a certain point in time. So listen, whatever begins to exist has a cause of its beginning. The universe began to exist, therefore the universe... And everything in it has a cause to its beginning. But listen, there's some characteristics that that cause has to have in order for it to be valid. And I know this today's sermon is a lot like a, uh, lot like a you know, lecture at a college course. That's okay. There's some things we need to learn. That uncaused cause has to be, yeah, that cause has to be uncaused. It has to be timeless. It has to be spaceless. It has to be changeless. It has to be immaterial. It has to be enormously powerful and it has to be personal. It has to be all those things in order to fit the criteria of something that could flip the coin on the existence of the universe. But I think that I know somebody that fits all those criteria, that crosses all those T's, that dots all of those I's. Psalm 90 verse 2 says this, Before the mountains were brought forth or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting you are God. There's our uncaused cause. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8 says, But do not overlook this one fact, beloved, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is one day. Our God is timeless. John 4, 24 says, The God is a spirit, and his worshipers must worship in the spirit and in the truth. Our God is spaceless. He doesn't live in flesh and blood, but in spirit. Malachi 3, 6 says, For I, the Lord, do not change. Therefore, O children of Jacob, are not consumed. Our God is changeless. He's the same yesterday and today and forevermore. 1 Timothy chapter 1 says this, Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Our God is immaterial. He's not part of the natural world. Psalm 147.5 says this, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. Our God is enormously powerful. And this one's my favorite. You know, God has to be personal. You know, he has to want to do this. Like, he had to want to create all this. He had to want to. He has to want to make the sun rise. He had to want to make the sun set. He had to want to make you in his own image. 
Psalm 139 verse 13 says this, for you created my innermost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Only this great uncaused cause, this first mover, only he fits this bill. Only the one that, that, that had the power, had the ability to, to speak all this into existence, then to breathe the very breath of life into man. Only the one that we call Elohim. Only the one that we call Yahweh. Only the one that is the great I am. Only the one that we call just plainly and simply God because there is no other like him. Can you say amen? There is no other. There is no other thing that we can contemplate on that can ever fit this bill. Nothing that can fall into these categories. Nothing that can overcome every objection placed against him but God. Quite simply, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Or like I like to say, in the beginning, God created the universe and everything in it. There's a lot more that I could say on this topic. I mean, I could teach you the teleological argument for the existence of God. I could teach you the moral argument for the existence of God. I could go over Thomas Aquinas' five proofs, but I'm not going to do that to you today. Instead, I want to tell you what all of this means to you. What does this mean to you? Psalm 19, starting in verse 1, says this. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. They speak without a sound or a word. Their voice is never heard, and yet their message has gone throughout the earth and their words to all of the world. The heavens declare the glory of God. You know, some people say that if it's just us alone in the universe, then God sure did waste a lot of space, right? I mean, he wasted a lot of space making all this stuff out there. Understand this, the universe was not made for you. The universe was made to display the glory of God, and man, it does a good job. Everything in existence is to display the glory, the love, the power of the living God. And it shines. It shines. But you know what God's favorite thing in all of creation is? You. You. He didn't send his son to die to redeem the stars in the sky he didn't send his son to suffer and die to redeem the 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 diamonds and rubies that that are found in the earth he didn't send his son to redeem the the oceans and the the waves and the winds that blow no his favorite thing in all of existence is you 
You that he died for. You that he suffered for. You that he was willing to give everything for. It's always been you. You that are created in the image of God. You know, the universe is, is created to, to display the glory of God, but you know who can do it better? You can. If you'll just let him come alive in you and work in you. Because every single person in here, every person watching online, every person drawing breath is an image bearer of the living God. And that means that you are worth in all the stars in the sky. You're worth more than all the diamonds and rubies and gold in the earth. You're worth more than anything in all of existence. Because you know how much something is worth? I mean, do you know how much something is worth? Something's worth what you're willing to pay for it. Do you hear that? Something's worth what you're willing to pay for it. So that means to God. Now stay with me here. I, I don't care what the world has said about you and what you're worth. I don't care what your parents said you were worth. I don't care what your exes said you were worth. I don't care what the government seems to think you're worth. I don't even care what you look in the mirror and tell yourself you're worth. Because you're worth more than that. Even if you have a good self-image, you're worth more than that. To God, you are worth everything. He gave everything that he had. He gave his best for you. For the ones that are doing it right right now. For the ones that are, are, are being there for their family and, and, and going to work and earning their living and do, living their best life. Yeah, he did it for you. For the ones right now that are stuck, that went back again, that can't seem to be free of whatever sin it is that's dragging you down, man, he did it for you too. He did it for you too. The ones that the world lift up on a pedestal and say, hey, they're worth it all. He did it for them. And then the ones that are so far down deep in a pit or stuck in a back alley that the world just wants to push them away and treat them like trash. Yeah, Jesus died for them too. And the heavens declare that. There's a galaxy 31 million light years away. It's a long way, right? It's called M31. But they call it the Whirlpool Galaxy. It looks like that. And what's cool about it is that it's laid on its side so that we can see it like we were looking from the top down at our galaxy. You understand? Does that make sense? So we can see it like full on. We can see the whole thing. Nothing, nothing in it is hidden from us. And because of the way it's turned, we've been able to do this incredible research and learn all these amazing things. We've learned about how stars are born and how they die. We've learned about how these interstellar bodies, like how they react and connect with one another. We've learned so much from M31. This Whirlpool Galaxy has given us a, a wealth of knowledge for us to learn. But as they begin to look deeper into this star system, and as they begin to really study it, they, they were able to get an incredible picture of the core of the entire galaxy. And what's at the center of the entire galaxy? And when they focused their camera in, 
on the center of the whirlpool galaxy, they see something that science has labeled the X structure. And what they have determined is that it's that that holds this entire galaxy together. It's that from where the light flows that feeds the entire galaxy. It's that that connects everything that is. He put that there so we would see it. The heavens declare the glory of God. The galaxies out there in the universe declare the glory of God. Everything in all of existence, even though it doesn't have a voice, screams the glory of God. And if that's what's at the center of that galaxy, and they actually think that that exact same structure is what is at the center of our galaxy now too. If that's at the center of the galaxy holding it all together, if that's at the center of that galaxy feeding light and radiance into that, into that entire structure, then why would you not let your life orbit around that same structure? Why would you not make the cross of Jesus Christ the core and the center of your life and let everything else orbit around Him? Why would you not rely on Him to be your center? Why would you not rely on Him to be your source of light and power? If you believe, if you believe that Genesis 1, chapter 1 is true, if you believe that God created the heavens and the earth, then won't you make Him the center of your universe? Won't you put Him in your life where He belongs? At the core. At the core. Because I want to make this plain and simple to everyone here. There will come a time when all of existence will fade away. And you know what's going to be left? The Word of the living God. And the most important part of that is the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Because the God of the universe gave everything to redeem you, to restore you, to bring you to life. And that life doesn't have to begin after we die. That life can begin right here, right now. And you can put the cross of Christ at the center of your life too. For too long, I've lived my life as if God didn't create the universe and everything in it. I believe that, but I haven't lived that way. I want to live in a way that I, I, I'm living out the fact that everything has purpose. I want to live in a way that shows that, that, that His light and His love is in every aspect of life. It starts here.